Hello, everyone. This is Will from China, and welcome to this exciting episode of the Missing Piece. Andrew Timshenko of Ukrainian Institute of Politics join our show today. He's an expert and political analyst, and he's responsible for performing various kinds of research in the fields of sociology, geopolitics, psychology, statistics, etc. Andy, welcome to my show. Hello, everyone. Andy, it's very exciting at this moment to really talk about. The international relationship, especially regarding the country of Russia. So, without further ado, let's get to this. Now, the first question I want to ask regarding this opposition leader, and he has been arrested、uh, for a long time, and his name, if I'm not mistaken, is Alexei Navalny. Now, right now, based on the latest news, he said he will end his week-long hunger strike. Last、uh, last night will be on Friday. So can you tell us a little bit why it is so important that people took their anger and frustration to the street? What message do you think the people in Russia are trying to send it to the current leader Vladimir Putin? So let me start with a fast recap that. Thirty years ago,、uh, there was a Soviet Union, right,、mm. that、uh, collapsed, and uh, since then, uh, uh, Vladimir Putin has been、uh, the president of, of Russia for most of the time、mm. since Russia has become independent. Like for almost thirty years, he has、mm. been the president,、mm. and a lot of young Russians、uh, are disappointed, and they are、um, they. Feel bored. They、uh, feel tired of、uh, President Putin. They want. They simply want some someone new. So,、um, although I'd say that、um, uh, economic reforms of Putin, I'd say that the standards of living、uh, for Russians they go up for for the last two decades. And but as I said. Just a lot of young Russians. They are just、uh, tired of Putin. They want somebody else. Well, but Andy, but again, this is the opposition leader, and he was arrested, not even at his house, but he was arrested at the airport. And the minute he came back from Germany, but again, but here's the question: is by arresting this opposition leader. Did it really help Vladimir Putin to send the message to the people or to the citizens that who don't like him at this moment? Don't you think that this kind of behavior or such strategy or political movement can escalate it or can escalate the tension between the leader and the people? Well,、uh, since 1991, when like. You know,、uh, there was no political opposition in the Soviet Union whatsoever, and since 1991, Russia、uh, lives constructed a reality where、uh, there is some、mm, formal opposition. So look, so there is、uh, Vladimir Putin and his ruling party, right?、Mm. Uh, it's called the the United Russia. So the the ruling party is called、uh, the the United Russia.、Mm. And、uh, there are some formal opposition in Russia, but、uh, many people do not believe in this opposition. So, although 
formally, the opposition is represented in the parliament of Russia. Uh, many people do not believe in it. So they want a different opposition that is represented by Alexei Navalny. But he is rumored to be the agent of American influence mm. in Russia. So, and to a large degree, mm, Russia tried to play some games with Alexei Navalny. Well, he, he was on probation. He was on parole. So then he violated the terms of his parole. And that is why he was mm, eventually arrested on, on February 2nd. And his, his probation was turned into a real sentence in prison. And um, uh, a, a, a tougher stance against Navalny uh, is interpreted by many experts as uh, Russia's strong intention to, um, to take a more active stance against American influence in Russia. So Alexei Navalny, he's, he's seen as, the, let's say, okay, let's put it blunt, bluntly, uh, he's like American agent. Mm. And uh, uh, sentencing him to a real prison term was like uh, a, a revenge of Russia to, to American influence inside the country. Well, now... Wow, that's that's actually a lot more information at this moment. But now, Annie, let me let me ask a question this way. Let's just say hypothetically, that's belief that Navalny it's is actually American agent. And he's using himself or he's using this platform to create this um, American or Western influence over the country. Yes. Now do you think the people actually um, voice the opposition towards Vladimir Putin or the people who actually went on the streets and created this protest and chaos? Do they really know or do they really believe that Navalny uh, is actually the American agent? I mean, so, so in other words, how, how, much, how much do the public actually believe and how much do the public uh, uh, actually um how can I say, mindful of what the truth is? Recently, I wrote an article and it was published on, on the website of the Ukrainian Institute of Politics. Mm. And I wrote an article about the psychology of the protesters, the people that take to the streets. Mm. And my, like, you know, uh, many experts share my opinion that there is also, you know, uh, a generation problem. You know, so there's a difference in a worldview between uh, older generation. Let's say we call it here a problem. We call it a problem of fathers and sons. Mm. So there's like some generational problem, miscommunication be between the generations. Mm. Let's say uh, more conservative parents and older generations and younger generations that let's say want some freedom mm. freedom although as i said actually from the economic perspective the standards of living and gdp per capita uh during the, the tenure of uh, vladimir putin was on the rise so like you know uh 
Russians uh, have been feeling better about you know their their level levels of consumption, like you know their salaries, wages, etc. So it's um, my article was about that generational problem. So mm. like I wrote that a younger generation of Russians they just want to break free from their parents and but they project their discontent or their anger they project their anger on Putin though the, the technically as they said uh, Russians owe a lot to Putin in terms of well-being in terms of better higher GDP per capita etc well, so it's like there's there's a lot to do with psychology about a protest, like you know, rebellion against parents. I'd say I put it this way. Yeah. Well, Andy, and also it sounds like not just in Russia, but also in the country. Again, we're taking um, in the grand scale. Look at the country of Belarus. And the protests and the chaos are happening every day, especially among the younger generations. And also look at the country, as yeah. you mentioned, America. The younger generations today are more actively engaged in this political system or in this political dialogue. And regarding of your background and also, also what kind of uh, environment that you grew up with. But let's get to the next question. Let's talk about U.S. Now. Right now, under Biden administration, they strongly condemn the behavior of Vladimir Putin regarding to Alexei Navalny. And also they said, well, they, they urgently called Vladimir Putin to release the prisoner. Otherwise, it's going to be, quote, bad consequences. So let's talk about the relationship between U.S. and Russia at this moment. We know when Donald Trump was the president, America, uh, the, the liberal parties, they spent three years, they tried to put this name Russia, a spy or you know, Russian scapegoat on President Trump. But however, we, we know the result. It turned out there was nothing there, or at least the argument was completely just flew off the handle for the, from the, for the left. Andy, from your perspective, how would you describe the relationship between uh, uh, Vladimir Putin and Biden at this moment, and how critical for us to pay attention to this bilateral relations? Well, well, in my opinion, um, the U.S. is slowly losing its hegemony, mm. you know, as uh, as a world leader mm. so like for since 1991 after the end of cold war uh the united states was the the only the sole superpower mm. and no other country in the world could you know uh, uh challenge the united states but let's say since uh, the mm, for the last 10 years i'd say that the, the the power of russia and china are on the rise and uh, these two countries, they challenged the, the dominance of the United States in the world. So they, they challenged, they, um, they object some, let's say, some narratives of American liberalism on how Americans see the world. So, for example, American presidents say that the whole world had to be more like America, mm. so like more adopt uh, American standards of liberalism, like you name it, like respect for LGBTQ, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, 
And some conservative countries, like primarily Russia and China, they say, no, no, we, 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 don't, we don't think like that. We, we think different way. And this is the main problem. And mm, yeah, like, uh, uh, so in my opinion, there, currently the, the geopolitics revolves around the triangle of the United States, Russia, and China. Mm. And uh, the United States, they tried, like, yeah, they tried to impose their will and, like, to impose their view on globalization, on liberalism, on how the, the whole world should look like and operate. But Russia and China, they say no. Like, we, we see the world in a different way. This is the biggest problem. Well, but Indy, at this moment, I think you and I, we both know that China and U.S. are not really on a good term, right? I mean, yeah, if we yeah, recall the news absolutely. several weeks ago, or maybe if I'm not mistaken, about a month ago, that Chinese delegates, including the foreign minister, flew all the way to America, tried to re-engage or tried to renegotiate with American counterparts. And that was such embarrassing moments. I don't want to say for which sides... But the conversation did not end very well. But right now, people are still greatly concerned about the relationship between China and the U.S. But meanwhile, I'm going to read something to you. It says, on Friday, Russia announced, I'm sorry, excuse me, on Thursday, Russia announced that you will end the country's massive troop building, a buildup near Ukraine, saying the military exercise has completed but meanwhile, President Xi had any doubt about whether Putin was preparing for a summit with Biden and they must be gone. So in other words, right now, as you said, it's a triangle relationship. But still, I want to go back is America today seems to put more attention on Russia, in uh, including the massive buildup in the military at the border. And meanwhile, we don't really know what is the deal behind Biden and Putin. So from your perspective, again, help us to understand how should we interpret the Americans' interests to, to condemn Vladimir Putin's behavior and meanwhile call for international support and in terms of all this crisis. What is your take on this? Uh, like I mentioned the triang triangular politics and I would like to add one more one more player is the European Union, and when 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 we talk about Ukraine and its like conflict with Russia, the European Union and the United States have different views on this conflict. Whereas uh, the United States, there are are more decisive in uh, fighting Russia. Mm. The European Union is the opposite. So the 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 attitude of the European Union is different. Mm. So uh, recently, the, the leaders of France and Germany, uh, they were actually insisting on, uh, on the president of Ukraine being more peaceful and more, more um, putting more effort in, in reconciling and in, in settling down the conflict on uh, in, in 2014 and 2015, uh, Ukrainian and the separatist movements in, in the east of Ukraine have signed uh, a treaty, and uh, the European Union tries to make Ukraine like, abide by the treaties uh, it has signed. So, um, yeah, that, 
okay. Well, now let's move on to the next question. I want to go back to um, the uh, Russia announcement on Thursday regarding um, ending this massive troop buildup near Ukraine. Now, Andy, from your perspective, of course, that you study and you written articles on you know various topics related to this <laughs> issue. So let's talk about this. What is Putin trying to do at this moment? And we know that um, uh, Putin and um, in the Russia and Ukraine, this you know this ping pong game back and forth has been playing for decades. W what is he trying to do at this moment? Um, sir, like as of now, Putin has already called back. The, the troops. Okay. This, as as of now, like in uh, this uh, April twenty fourth, uh, like uh, Russian troops have been already taken away. Okay. Right, from away from the Ukrainian border, so it's not it's no longer an issue. But it was you know it's uh, it's a sort of gamble. So like uh, what what are Ukraine Russia are doing? They are gambling. They're like you know bluffing and uh, trying to push on each other but uh, still um, do you think do you it, think the Ukrainian government is afraid of Russian government or do you think that or even the bet let, let me ask you this way do you think that Ukrainian government it's under a tremendous political pressure from Russia but meanwhile as what you said before American uh, or even international communities has been urging or even um uh, how can i say giving advice to the um the ukrainian president to say hey listen instead of creating a conflict instead of creating the war why don't we solve it peacefully there will be a peace agreement which one do you think it's more tangible at this moment uh ukraine is under the trilateral pressure and so ukraine is under pressure from Russian side, from European side, and American side, so mm. like it's trilateral pressure. Okay. And uh, uh, the presidents of Ukraine try to maneuver, so they they try to indulge all these like three players: Russia, the U European Union, and United States. And like given this like uh, trilateral pressure, mm. so. Uh, the presidents of Ukraine try to indulge everybody altogether, but it's impossible because, like, these three parties have different interests in Ukraine and they demand different things from Ukraine. So it's like Ukraine has been at crossroads for seven years, like, and like, yeah, very tough situation. And, uh, well, uh, recently, I'd say a couple of weeks ago, um, there was, there were rumors in Ukraine that there would be a, one more attempt of military takeover. You know, there's like some troubled territories in the east of Ukraine. So there is like, technically, there is like some separatist movement mm. in the east of Ukraine. And recently, a couple of weeks ago, there was a, there were rumors about like an attempt of taking uh, taking over, but uh, one, one one of the uh, the head of Putin administration made it clear that he said if Ukraine would try to take over uh, these uh, separatist territories by force, Russia would retaliate with a, mm. with a tremendous force. So Russia would even 
put the very existence of Ukraine at risk. So th th this statement was very bold, very mm. daring. So it was uh, literally one, one of the top officials of Russia threatened the very existence of Ukraine. Like if the government of Ukraine, the president of Ukraine, would try to take over this separatist lands in the east of Ukraine. Andy, I want to bring something more realistic as you and I, we are talking right now. After COVID-19, and of course, we know that in, for some parts of the world, nations are still battling against the COVID-19. But the good news is in China, that the COVID-19 has been under control. And also, I believe that um, the vaccination program is getting more and more effective and also public, uh, publicly acceptable. Now, lately, President Xi Jinping just joined an international summit that regarding the climate change. And I think this is such a bold and also a, a, a brand new topic for China to really shoulder this responsibility along with international partners. I know that you have also studied an interest uh, in China. Can you share with us quickly a little bit, why do you think China is so eagerly or so desperate to join this climate change summit or agreement? I mean, in other words, we know that Donald Trump was not a believer for climate change. Joe Biden is a believer for climate change. But right now, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the America has not officially rejoined the Paris Agreement yet. So for, for so right, right now, during this waiting period for America to re-come back to this agreement, and China is taking this bold active, what do you think China is trying to accomplish at this moment? Well, like in China has been transforming from, from the country that manufactures goods into a country with a abundant middle class that, that probably would like to outsource some, some of the production outside China because, you know, um, although, you know, production uh, grants China uh, steady, steady growth of GDP per capita, better quality of life, in economic terms, but also this this kind of economy um, deteriorates, you know, the environment, you know, like uh, too much of uh, carbon footprint, water pollution, air pollution, and uh, I know cancer rate, like etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, of course, like in, in the long run, of course, it would be beneficial for China trying to probably outsource some most polluting and dangerous production outside the country, that would be great, but just for the sake of the health of the population. So that would be a great idea, actually. Well, do you, think, do, you th do you think, Andy, China is actually competing with America at this moment? Even though both sides um, really had this, you know, um, how can I say the relationship? It's really hot and cold, but right now it's completely cold. But on the side note, we know that, uh, uh, how can I say, the climate uh, change envoy will be John Kerry. John Kerry actually came to China not too long ago, was actually pushing and also advocating for China to take bolder steps um, in terms of battling against this climate change. 
Now, do you think that we are in this competition with Americans, or or what is what is your take on this relationship? Mm, recently, um, I remember that President Xi Jinping said that uh, China would never would never attempt any any type of global dominance, or yes. hegemony, right, uh, regardless of its current power, and like it's very very good thing, thing to say but as i said um yeah there's the i would say there's some rivalry uh between china and the united states on who's gonna um, who's gonna say the last word so like mm. for, like for for many for many decades uh united states have been the trendsetter so like the they were trying to tell the the rest of the world how to live, how to you know to run the economy, etc. But China tries to seize the initiative. So mm. like um, recently, like several years ago, Xi Jinping he was like he called for the the ongoing economic globalization of the world. So like you know the, the, if we consider the one belt, one road initiative. So that was, of course, this is uh, economic globalization. So like, and the US, we're, we're supposed to be in favor of it. But, and yeah, and the climate change agenda is, let's say, let's call it a battlefield, mm. a one more battlefield between um, ideological battle between China and the United States. So and it's a good thing for China to you know to be more active in this field and you know proclaim more, more objectives for for the world community to follow. So I think it's a very good thing to do. Andy, I got one more question. I know you're fairly busy. <laughs> you know, um, if we continue this conversation, it's gonna be at least the four or five hours. But I'm just gonna ask one more question before letting you go. Any right now, I think it's rather challenging to distinguish between national affairs and international uh, agenda. Because a lot more times when something happens within a nation, the natural response would be, this is, will be a domestic affair, not international interest. So let's, so let's go back to the question is, Whatever it is happening in Russia, whatever is happening regarding this uh, uh, free, this opposition leader, Vladimir Putin's agenda, or uh, however regarding human rights and etc., all these issues, do you think that what's happening today in Russia should only be the interest of Russia and also Russian people and outsiders should not, or maybe a better not, to take any political or military actions in order to make changes? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good thing that um, the, the countries must have this authority of handling their issues, you know, internal issues on their own. So the, there should be no interference in the uh, domestic affairs like the, uh, neither Russia nor China nor the United States, so like yeah, the countries have to handle their issues on their, and um, again, uh, the, the one more challenge for Russia, you know, since uh, 
Russia has had been a one-party system for mm. seven decades, and since 1991, it has become a multi-party system with like one dominant party, the United Russia, and some like three major parties. But still, Russia has to learn how to make the political opposition more efficient. And more real. So, like as as we talked about, th there is a formal opposition in the Russian parliament, represented like by three parties. But uh, the younger generation of Russians does not believe uh, this formal opposition representing the parliament. They believe Alexei Navalny, although like he was rumored to be like an you know, American agent, like he was uh, he was allegedly funded by Americans, American funds, etc., etc. And recently, Russia uh, they're, they're started a legal procedure of uh, recognizing the party of Alexei Navalny as the extremist party. Mm. So there's Russia is on the way to ban, ban the party of Alexei Navalny, like, entirely. So, you know, it's like labeling him as, like, you know, extremist or, like, don't want to use the word terrorist. So yeah, but like Russia is on the way to it. And, do, and is it going to be effective or how, how feasible it is for Russia to do that? Um, it will not solve the issue. So like um, new people will come after Alexei Navalny. If, even if, let's say, let's say that uh, Alexei Navalny is sentenced to a life Lifelong imprisonment. Yeah. Okay, let's say let's let's imagine Core. a new person will come instead of him. So, like uh, Russia needs to think more on how to make political opposition efficient, not just formal as it is right now in the in the parliament. Mm. But I I'd say that you know it, it is in the best interest of Russia to come up with a, a interesting. I, I I'd use this word interesting opposition, some interesting opposition leader that would not be destructive at the same time. So like, and uh, there absolutely has to be no, no room for accusations that an opposition leader is funded from outside the country or he's funded by America. So there's also, no, there has to be no room for, for such sort of accusations. Mm. This is uh, absolutely destructive. Like, for example, like, as you know, you know there is an American law called the uh, um, Foreign Agent Registration Act. It was So there is American law, the Foreign mm. Agent uh, Registration Act. It was uh, signed into, into law in, if I'm not mistaken, in 1938, if I'm not mistaken. So, like... Uh, like you cannot just go to the United States and start some party, political party, and get funding from outside the United States. You cannot do that. Mm. So, like you have, like if you wanted to do some political activity in the United States, and you want to uh, get some funding from outside the United States, you need to get the approval of, of the exactly. U.S. government 
right. Because like, otherwise, it's going to be counted as part of the conspiracy or part of espionage. Yeah, 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 and I think that yeah. could very easily fall into this whole spy category, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. the funding it's not it's not from the domestic source, but international. Once it's getting international, there's no limits and there's no guarantee that the interest of the funders or interest of the funding sources uh, can be can follow the rules. Well, Andy Timshenko from Ukrainian Institute of Politics. Andy, thank you so much for taking your time. And it's been a pleasure and an absolutely amazing conversation with you. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, William.